0: Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I get to welcome Matt Carter to the podcast. Matt now serves as the vice president of mobilization for the North American Mission Board SEND Network. He's the author of numerous books, including The Long Walk Home, Discovering the Fullness of Life, and The Love of the Father, and steal away home Charles Spurgeon and Thomas Johnson, unlikely friends, on the passage to freedom. Matt, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thanks for having me.
1: Dr. Allen, it's an honor to be here, here in the Spurgeon Library.
0: Hey, we're getting our Spurgeon. We're here uh, in the recording studio that's situated within the Spurgeon Library. To our listeners, if you've never been here to see it, you need to prioritize that, the Spurgeon Library is uh, is truly remarkable, and you and I are conversing, recording here in the context of our Fall 2022 for the Church National Conference uh, for the Nations. I preached this morning on the Gospel for the Nations. You're preaching this afternoon, and it's just been a real sweet couple of days here. I mean, God's given us about 1,100 people here, which is which is capacity for us in our chapel. And uh, man, the singing has been so rich. The sermons so strong. The fellowship's so sweet. And so these are two of my my favorite days of the year. And you've been with us a couple times over the years for the conference. I have. I've I've preached, I believe, two other times at this conference. And there's a
1: palpable energy on campus right now. The weather's perfect. Uh, This is a beautiful campus. If you've never been to Midwestern, it's a neat place. I got chill bumps when I walked into the Spurgeon Library.
0: For those of you who aren't aware, it's all his old library books. They're in a room. It's beautiful. It's just a great environment here. Well, you're kind, but uh, I agree with your assessment. God has been kind to us, and it's a sweet season and a privilege to get to to be a steward of it. So, Matt, we're talking today about the pastor's self-care. And, of course, I chose this topic in conversation with you in light of a minister transition you recently announced. But I want to talk more broadly than your personal story. But your personal story is, is a central part of it. But before we get to all of that, give us a sense as to um, just kind of where you are stage of life with your family and, and kind of what has brought you to where you are today.
1: Yeah, it is a really long story. I'll make it brief. But my, you know, married to my wife, Jennifer, for 26 years, got three children. One's a senior at Texas A&M. One's a, a sophomore at University of Arkansas. And then I have a, a son that's a junior in high school. Um, I'm the founding pastor of the Austin Stone Church in Austin, Texas. Pastored that for 18 years. Two and a half years ago, felt a a really strong call of God. It's clear as I've ever heard anything in my life to go to a a church called Sagemont Church in Houston, Texas. Amazing church. Um, About 53 years old. They had one pastor. John Morgan. uh, John Morgan was an amazing man of God. Uh, Before I got there, felt strongly that the Lord was leading me there. I have been pastoring that for two and a half years. I recently discovered that I have uh, some pretty significant heart disease, and um, the doctor uh, just made it really clear to me that I've got to make some changes in my life, not only diet and exercise and that sort of stuff, but uh, he suggested, and others have suggested, there be a a significant reduction in stress in my life. About that time, I, I talked to Vance Pittman, who began to discuss with me what it might look like to come on board North American Mission Board, SIN Network, and become a vice president of church mobilization, church planting um, with SIN Network. And so I've, I've recently uh, retired as, as being a senior pastor. That's how I put it. But I'm not retiring from ministry. I'm going to be going to work for Nan, and I'm excited
0: about it. So I'm going to pull a few of those threads a little bit and uh, let you tease those out. But before I do, I got I to gotta go to the mundane first, okay? So many of us over the years have seen that video, which, as I recall, <laughs> I- made it on ESPN.
1: Man, it's it's uh, it's been on so many things. It was on uh, the Jay Leno show. It was on Fox News, ESPN. Shaquille O'Neal tweeted out the video of me catching the bird. There you go, man. I mean, let Shaquille me tell you O'Neal. Wh- let, me, let me tell you one quick story. I was in the jungles of Bolivia on a bus in the middle of nowhere on a mission trip. I'm sitting behind the driver, telling a friend of mine about that video and how it happened. The bus driver stopped the bus, turned around, and said you're the guy, this is an indigenous Bolivian. Right, right, He's right. like, you're, you're the guy that caught the bird. And I was like, I am. And he
0: goes, I don't believe you. And he took, <laughs> and he took off driving. And so that's my claim to fame. So for like the two listeners... I've never seen the video. done do talking about. So, so like, you're walking through a field. Uh, I guess you're dove hunting. I remember you got the hunter's orange on. You got shotguns. A couple of people are by you're walking, and you see this bird just flying. And so, so I'm going to let you pick up the yeah, story. Like, I was w-
1: quail hunting. We were shooting. Uh, me and uh, NFL quarterback Colt McCoy were shooting a hunting and fishing show, and, um, and I, we were done with our hunt, and the camera just happened to keep rolling, and, and a quail flew right at me, and uh, I caught it. And they put it on YouTube. You can look it up. Pastor catches bird or something like that. So, keep going. Yeah, go it's, it went viral. It's
0: it's 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 insane. It should go viral. I mean, it really is remarkable. <laughs> it's kind of like the anti of that, that video when, uh, you know, Randy Johnson, the great left-handed, you know, six-foot-ten right. pitcher, he That's throws right. like a 100-mile-an-hour pass ball, hits a bird, and the bird just immediately explodes. like explodes. There's just nothing left but feathers. It like explodes. Yes. But this bird's flying. And So what are you thinking like, this bird's coming at me, coming at me. I think I can catch it. I'm going to try to catch it. I caught it.
1: Um, my cousin is to my left. If you listen really, really carefully, you can hear him say, catch it. And, um, and so I did. It was the luckiest moment of my life. If you remember the video, as soon as I catch it, I hold it up in the air with this look of deep satisfaction on my face. I'm going to tell you why I did that. There's a reason. So my uncle is uh, off to the left also. You cannot see him. When I was a little kid, I was dove hunting with him. He shot a dove. The dove was falling down from the sky. He pulls out his dove vest and catches the dove in his dove vest. And I remember as an eight-year-old kid thinking, that's the coolest thing. That I've ever seen, and I'll never top that in my entire life. And so he's standing beside me. I catch the quail. First thing I went through my mind is I just
0: topped the old man. You know, oh, so. that's great. Well, I'm telling you, I still remember seeing that video for the first time. And that's been what? How many years ago now? Oh gosh, that was 2012, maybe. I mean, it's a decade ago. Yeah, about ten years ago. And I I, I knew you distantly. I don't think I knew you personally at that point. But that video was just so cool to me. That's I crazy. thought that, that's funny. Well, here we are. We'll, we'll transition from uh, from the quail to uh, to, to, to ministry and self care for the pastor. I want to pull the threads a little bit more of your personal journey, Matt. And uh, again, you mentioned the Austin Stone, planted it there nearly two decades. Got to call you to Sagemont. Now, a couple of things I had forgotten of your story was that as as a as a younger man, and you're still a relatively young man, you're late 40s now. As a younger man, you, you had a cancer bout, and then in recent years, you had another cancer bout. And then most ultimately, you've had this uh, this heart issue. Walk us through those kind of three main like health crises. When I was 31 years old, um, I was diagnosed with cancer, the appendix. Never had to do chemo or
1: anything like that. Um, they just cut it out. And it was scary, though, whenever you're 31 and and uh, and you have little kids and you hear that you have malignant cancer, that scares you.
0: And how did, I mean, were you experiencing discomfort or how did you I was, know? I was. Okay.
1: I had an appendicitis. The doctor said that it was not caused by the tumor. And so I have this, <laughs> I have this pattern in my life of God um, allowing me to go through things, but kind of pulling me back before they get too serious. It, it, it had broken through the appendix wall and was about to spread to the lymph nodes, and I had an appendicitis and they caught it. Um, and that, that's been a long time, and I'm, I'm free of that. And then I had a, a small melanoma on my ear. Uh, melanoma's a big deal if— um, if, if, if you catch it too late, we caught it early, but that's still scary. And then, and then this recent heart disease. And so, man, that's kind of a third major um, issue as a 49-year-old young man, I guess, um, that I've faced. And so um, I, I'll be honest with you, Dr. Allen, self-care is something I have not done well. Mm-hmm. And if my, my wife were sitting right here, she would be nodding her head vigorously. Um, and if,
0: if there's anything I could go back and do different. I, I w- this would be one of them. So, and I want to I want to get headlong into that momentarily because I think many of us, myself included, we don't do self care very well. Before I get to that, um, my father in law, whom I adore, he's now eighty years old. Uh, he received a lung transplant now, going on four years ago. Getting difficult health news here in recent weeks, recent months, and um, and anyway, just it, it, it's walking with him through that journey has not been easy. Sweet, but not easy. But a few years ago, before the lung issue, uh, he had to have open heart surgery. Mm. And he told me one day on the phone before the surgery about these symptoms. And he's saying to me things like, Well, I, I'm just not feeling real well. My my chest is hurting, my left arm is numb, I'm short of breath. And like all of these are like flashing signs, get to the hospital, all these, you know, these perennial indicators of, of heart congestion. Were you having some some indications or how did the doctors find this blockage? Give us a sense yeah, as so to what happened. I,
1: looking back, I was having some small symptoms. I was a little bit out of breath. In hindsight, I was not having chest pain, Um, and man, I honestly, doc, I was sitting there at my desk one day, and I thought, you know what, I haven't had a a checkup in three years because I've been doing this, you know, pastoring this church, been a stressful time, great time, but stressful. I probably need to go to the doctor, (laughs) so I called the doctor, scheduled a, a regular checkup. He did a stress test, which is when they put you on a treadmill and hook you up to an EKG and make you run, kind of put your heart under stress. During that stress test, something showed. I don't know what they see, but... Something that could be indicative of blockage. Um, from there, we went and and did a heart catheterization, where they actually go inside your body and look inside. And when they got in there, they found a ninety-something percent blockage in my widowmaker artery, which is not good. And um, not good at all. No, It's not. And and so once again, the Lord saved me. And but they put a stent into that, um, which opens it up. But um, but man. The doctor was actually really shocked that I wasn't having more symptoms than than I was, and so it really, it really is just the grace of God that I'm I'm sitting here today. And
0: you mentioned you'd had like a heart scan a few years before, yeah, that showed all clear, and then like,
1: yeah, give us that. Let me tell you that story. So, you know, I'm 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 in my first meeting with the cardiologist after I failed a stress test. They have what's called a CT scan of the heart. If you've never got one and you're in your new 40s, you probably should go get one, and it can tell you to some degree, if there's blockage in your arteries, not completely. Is that the calcium? Yes. Okay. That's calcium score. It, it starts a, a score of zero and it goes up to 400. Zero to hundred, I believe is the lo- you know, you're fine. And then over 400, you have significant heart disease. Well, three years ago, I did a calcium score and it was 40. So that means as a, you know, a 46 year old man, I've got a little bit of blockage, but not much. Then three years later... Before they did the heart cath, they did that calcium score again, I scored 440. And so in the course of two and a half years, I jumped 400 points from pretty much nothing to significant heart disease. The doctor's sitting there holding and comparing the two scans and he looks at me and he says, what in the heck have you been doing the last two and a half years? And um, I didn't tell this in the story when you and I talked earlier, but I actually started crying mm. when he said that. and. And I looked at him, I said, I've, I've been pastoring a church. Um, that's what I've been doing.
0: Yeah. God's people are sweet, but, but the dynamics can <laughs> be challenging, can be stress-inducing. Yeah. And you had followed a well-established pastor, a major church, no doubt a generational transition going on, no doubt a, a lot of different ways of transition, and no doubt all of that factored into It did. There's a,
1: there's a study I saw at Lifeway. Of course, nobody thinks it's going to happen to them, but what do you think the percentage is? Of pastors that make it over two years following a legacy founding pastor? What do you think the percentage of guys that make it past two years?
0: I'm going to guess less than 50%. It's 2%. Oh,
1: my. According to the study, 2% of guys like me that follow legacy pastor like John Morgan make it past two years. There's a reason for that. Uh, it is a difficult thing to do. Church church transition is hard, but think about it. These are, these are people that Many of them had raised their children in this church. They'd raised their grandchildren in the church. There was a certain way that they did things. They were declining, and they, they admitted that and brought me in to help them. And, and, and you come in, and I, I preach the Word, and I loved on the people, but as you begin to make changes, it's just hard. I've talked to so many guys that have gone through it, and they said, Matt, it's just one of the hardest things you can do in ministry. And the result of that was some pretty significant stress.
0: So I want to talk about self-care and there's a lot of places we can go with it and we'll go to several you know from the spiritual to the fraternal with other brothers to you know the dietary and the exercise and the first thing I, I thought when I saw you yesterday was man Matt you've lost some weight now I want to be clear you, you were not a heavy guy before you're like you know fit guy you know muscular now you're you're clearly uh, thinner to the yeah. eye and yeah. so I guess that's some diet, that's some exercise. I guess the, the um, heart issues got your attention. But give us a sense, like, what are you doing now? What do you wish you would have been doing the past 10, 20, 30 years? And um, how's that playing out in your life?
1: Well, let me give you a little bit of medical background. You know, two and a half years ago, when I did get the 40 on the calcium score, the doctor said, you do have elevated cholesterol. And um, he said, we need, to, we need to get it down. And they put me on a statin drug. And I don't know if you've ever taken those or heard about them, but one of the symptoms is brain fog. Okay. It's real. And as a pastor, brain fog's not a good thing. And so I got off the statin two and a half years ago, which I regret that. So the cholesterol's elevated. They go in, they find the 90% blockage. The doctor's looking at me and he's like, if you don't get this under control, you will not see your grandchildren. My wife heard that. <laughs> you know, that, that was a moment that I'm like, all right, I've got I've to make some significant changes. And one of them is, is, is what I'm eating. I mean, I'm, I'm, one, I'm one of these guys that I love to grill steaks. I love to smoke briskets. I'm a red meat guy and uh, the fattier, the better. Well, that's all gone. The wife has shut down all that stuff. And so I'm almost a vegetarian. I mean, I'll eat some fish and some chicken. And but basically um, the theory behind my diet, Dr. Allen, is if it tastes good, you spit it out. I mean, that's the, right. That's how it works. And yeah, so I've been eating really healthy for the last three months, um, been exercising. And, um, and what does the exercise look like? I mean, I, I have bad knees, and so I walk a lot, mm-hmm. and I enjoy walking because I can sort of, you know, that's time for me to think and reflect. It's time to spend time with my wife. So I've been walking a lot.
0: That's it. I, I watch what I eat, and I walk. That's good. So give us a sense now more broadly from the personal to Matt to ministry friends, ministry observations, ministry experiences. Like, like What are you sensing that brothers who are in ministry mm-hmm. are doing are not doing very well Relates this whole category. All right, so I
1: had um, I had lunch with William Vanderblom. Do you know? Do you know William? He's a he's a church uh, sure. strategist. He's kind of a headhunter, if you will, for senior pastors. and And so he works with a ton of churches and works with a lot of pastors. And all of us have heard the the data and the stats that pastors are dropping like flies right now. And so I asked him. I was like, "Man, is that urban legend? Is that really happening?" And he's like, "Matt, oh yeah." he said it's unbelievable the number of pastors that are resigning right now because of the stress of the ministry and we know what they are they're covid they're political tensions racial tensions it is hard to be a pastor right now and so i think that self care in my humble opinion is more important than ever now what do we mean by self care i think what are the what are the specific things that we're doing to make sure that we are healthy physically spiritually and emotionally. That's what self-care is. It's taking time out of your life and being incredibly intentional about making sure that you're in a good place, not only spiritually, which I think most of us get, but one of the things I think a lot of us do uh, neglect is the physical and the emotional. Nobody thinks they're going to get heart disease. Nobody thinks they're going to get cancer. Nobody thinks they're going to get sick, but so many of us do. And so if I had to do life over again, I would have, I would give anything to go back. And, and get so much more intentional about it earlier on in my life.
0: And, of course, some people are listening saying, I resonate with what you're saying, Matt, but I just don't have the time. I get I got to elbow out time for spiritual. I, I get I should be alert emotionally, dialed in emotionally, but, but the physical, I, I just I don't have time. What do you say to that? Well, I'll tell you what my doctor said, because I said the same thing to him. And he said, you're
1: going to have a lot of time on your hands if you're dead. And so. One of the best gifts that you could ever give yourself early on in your ministry is to get intentional and strategic about charting out a plan for what this looks like. I'll tell you, I'll give you an example, Doc. One thing that I never did, I never took a day off. I say never. I used to. I stopped, especially when it went to a new church, because, man, I've got to prove to these people that I'm a good pastor. I, right. want, them, I, don't, I want them to— to think that I'm working hard, and I was. I worked way too hard. I was working 70, sometimes 80 hours a week, getting up at the office at four o'clock in the morning, working on a sermon, and then working a normal day. Man, I neglected Sabbath. God knows what He's doing, it turns out and that Sabbath is an important thing. I wish I could go back and take a day off. And here's a key thing I think pastors can take away from this is there's an exercise I do. We don't have a ton of time today, but I would write down four numbers one, two, three, and four. And over, the, over each one of the columns, write spiritual fills and spiritual drains. And spend some time, maybe in a quiet time one day, and write down what are the things that physically, emotionally, and spiritually fill my cup. Mm-hmm. Exercise, reading the Bible, um, listening to worship music, whatever. And then write the four or five things that, that are the emotional, physical, and spiritual drains on, uh, on your life. And then make sure that if you have a job or a week where there's a lot of those emotional, physical, and spiritual drains that you are taking time every single week of your life to set aside, walk away from that, and do the things that fill you emotionally, spiritually, and physically. If you don't, if pastors don't, it's a matter of time before either health or, um, man, falling away takes them out.
0: What have you learned or or benefited from by way of Uh, perhaps brothers in ministry or even a strategic counselor in ministry or strategic mentor in ministry that has uh, helped you to see these things more clearly?
1: I have gone through, in the last two months, um, Dr. Allen, I've gone through counseling because I I shared with you earlier, you know, one of the reasons that I kept working myself into the ground is I'm a people pleaser. And I don't like it when people get frustrated with me and I take it really personally when people don't like me or whatever. And when you're a brand new pastor at a legacy church, that's going to happen and through the course of this counseling, I really dug into that. Like, why do I want people to like me so much? And we won't, I won't bore you with all that. But he's, he gave me some really good tools about how to react in those moments and how to think biblically in those moments. And it's been so helpful over the last c- couple of months. I'd give anything to go back 20 years ago and have those tools. And so I, not only do, do I encourage folks to have a strategic plan for what you're doing as far as your diet, get serious about it. What you're doing with your exercise, what you're doing with your day off. But also, man, spend some time, whether it's with brothers in Christ that are older than you, that are pastors that have been there, or even with a counselor, dig into the stuff that's keeping you um from being healthy emotionally, physically, and spiritually, and and do business with them. They're as important as anything you
0: do. You know, and we need to pull this together here, but but I know many of our listeners, they probably struggle with with pleasing men too, with with having difficulty uttering the word no. Anything you learned or any any insight your counselor gave you that that could be easy to pass along here. One of the really practical things, and and you know, I wish this sounded more spiritual, but he said
1: use your administrative assistant to filter all your emails, and if there is another staff guy that you have that can handle the nasty stuff, let him do it. And at the end of the month, heat my my executive pastor was able to come to me and say, hey, man, you got five negative emails, three of them were stupid. One of them you need to know as a member. Here's how I handle that instead of every single day of my life, um, you know, seeing the negative stuff that comes in. And so that was super helpful. But man, part of it is, I mean, the answer to your question is, is getting to the place where you are more satisfied with the approval of Jesus than Mm -hmm. you are the approval of man. and. And, and one, there was one thing my counselor said that is so simple, but it was so profound, and it really helped me. He said, Matt, Jesus did everything perfectly, and they crucified him. <laughs> Just let that sink in. He never did anything wrong, and yet he was hated. And so if Jesus dealt with people uh, that were difficult,
0: um, I can too, and so I need to turn to him for the strength to walk through that stuff. Matt, we'll leave it there. Thank you for joining me on Preaching and Preachers. And may God bless you in your new ministry assignment with NAMM. And bless his church there at Sagemont as they transition in the season ahead as well. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.